Welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Show, where we interview global thought leaders on business, leadership, and life. Here's your host, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and chief burnout officer of the Breakfast Leadership Network, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Dave Melinda on. Dave, how are you? Good, sir. How are you today? I am really, really good now that I know what day it is. And thank you. In the pre-show notes, we uh, Dave told me what day it was. So we're good. No worries. I'm uh, always here to help, Michael. That's how I, this works. I, I appreciate that. So for those that don't know you, why don't you share a little about you and then we'll dive into this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. So I am founder of Positive Polarity, which is a Midwest-based coaching firm and uh actually used my past experience. I took a company from uh, $0 that I started myself and got her up to 10 million in annual sales and then sold it. So use those principles today to help anybody that might be struggling on that journey. So I'm excited to see who we can help today. No, it's really important work because so many entrepreneurs, they start off and they do have you know, something that is going to be beneficial to society and they scale it and then they kind of hit a plateau and, you know, the phrase, what got you here, won't get you there kind of kicks right. in and they're, they're yeah. kind of stuck. So, but a lot of times I think about it and I'll use the analogies. Okay. Uh, sports analogy. All right. You, you had your junior high or middle school coach and then you had your high school coach and then you went to college and you had your college coach and if you're one of the fortunate ones you got your pro coach and then you had a series of coaches as you got better it's just it's a journey and it's you know the best coaches in the world you know yeah of course they might be down at the low levels but not for long they're going to rise up to the top but it's the same thing it's like once you get to a certain stage and you can sense if you're aware of what you're working on, like, okay, I'm hitting a plateau. Okay, what do I do? That's when you need to, you know, up the game and, and reach out to those that have done it before you. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, that's people ask me all the time, Michael, why would I need a coach? And I'm like, I don't know if you do or not. That's not for me to decide. I can tell you that, you know, a guy like Tiger Woods, you know, a guy's got surrounds himself with coaches and he has one of the smoothest golf swings ever. And to the naked eye, most people would never be able to see the glitch. But I tell you what, there's, you know, guys that can see the glitch in his swing. And that's what coaches do is, you know, if you're not where you want to be in your business or you're working too hard or you're working too many hours or, you know, you're not, you know, providing the customer experience that you thought you really needed to supply, it's possible that somebody will help you with your blind spots. And that's really what coaches do, right? At the end of the day. You just help them with their blind spots. They can't see what they can't see. And that's what we do. It's critical work because we can't see, you know, in ourselves, we think what we see, but, you know, somebody watch you. It's like, you know, when you were talking to that prospect, you use this phrase. If you change that phrase to this, it won't come off as being as pitchy that's p with a p by the way not yeah. b uh yeah they might think it's that depending on your mood that day you know make sure that you're properly energized before you do cold calls people mm-hmm. just saying you know because you know you might catch somebody off or you might not be awake but anyway but yeah. it's important it, it, it's you know that guidance helps you get there and yeah 
but in, and here's this is a question I always you know, like asking people that are in the line of work that you do. Sure. In your opinion, what makes somebody coachable? Because I know a lot of people they they put up these guards and they fill sure. up their lives with excuses. Well, I can't do that. Well, as Henry Ford said, yeah, you're right. You say you can't, you're right. You can't. So, you know, what are some things that you find in people that make them really coachable? Yeah, that's a great question, Michael. And what's interesting is I probably take a different approach than most people. We utilize DISC a ton in this scenario. And you can actually determine from somebody's assessment their personality because certain personality, certain people are open to, let's say, outside the box thinking. And then there's certain people that aren't. So if I you know, give somebody an assessment and they're not open to outside the box thinking, we have a whole different way to challenge them than if somebody's like, yeah, heck, let's give it a try. I'll try anything, you know, and and we all think that we're outside the box thinkers, but it's crazy when you actually look at your assessment results and then you start doing deep dives and then you realize They've been doing the same thing for the last 10 years. They drive every single day the exact same way to work, or they pack the exact same thing for lunch, whatever it is. You know, there's nothing wrong there. It's just that if we're not open to that outside the box thinking, it's really hard to have somebody come alongside you and challenge you from a coach's perspective. So we start with the personality, Michael. And, and if somebody is open, they're going to have a much easier journey than if they weren't built that way. We can still work through it, but you just kind of have to uh, approach both of those personalities differently. Makes a lot of sense because if someone is you know, putting up these, I don't want to say barriers, but just making it a little bit more difficult for them to buy into it. It, right. it it's it it really you know muffles or waters down you know the amount of success they could potentially have. Where you know in my situation, the coaches that I have and coaches I've worked with in the past, I'm going to them going, you know how to do this. I really don't. I mean, I I think I know, but I don't necessarily know. And, you know, the Tiger Woods analogy is great. You know, we, we watch Tiger and you're like, okay, you know, we, we dream, boy, I wish I could hit the ball once like that in my life. I mean, maybe on a whim with the wind hitting the right way and my, my (laughs) own hill on the concrete. Exactly. And my my knee buckling in the right angle, I might be able to hit it that straight. You know, I remember this was decades ago, uh, a friend of my former wife's and I were out and we were at this putt-putt course, go-kart place, it was a multifunction place. And sure. they had a driving range there. And I'm like, all right. So the first time I get up there, I hit, it, hit the ball about as straight as I've ever hit a ball in my life. And her friend was like really impressed. Whoa, that's good. Yeah. Now, the next time of it, you know, far left. <laughs> just you know, just put the club away, Michael. I, 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 right? I, I nod, you know, you know, <laughs> go, go, go to the podium, get my, get yep. my trophies, exactly. smiles, you know, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, no, it was, it was, 
it was not pretty. It was like, you know, I, I couldn't get four out of my head fast or my mouth fast enough because I have no idea where that ball went. But sure, you know, absolutely. Yeah, they're like, you know, we usually keep the nets in the back and sometimes on the side. But, you know, maybe we want to consider, you know, maybe you know, we're going to put you on the on the child's tee, please. There Let's go, go over here. It's like we're going to oh. give you this little putter. Yes. Yes. Your ball is orange. Yes, and the wiffle know. ball, too. Right. It, That's it, oh, yeah, exactly. So. But, you know, for me, and again, being coachable and just going into it, because ultimately when someone is looking for a coach, one of the questions that I feel that they should ask themselves is, okay, what do I want to get better on? And and just like in consulting or anything else, I think I know what I need, but when you start going through and doing the the investigative work and you're talking right. things out that's when you can come up with oh actually we think your bigger challenge might be this and right. if we address this then that's going to make this particular barrier go by a lot easier and yeah. it's just again being open to I think this is what it is, but let's have a conversation and flush it out and see what it actually is. And uh, the right. fact that you, you use the disc stuff you know, makes a ton of sense too, because that gives yeah. you an idea uh, right out the gate. Okay, what's going to be like to work with this person? Right. And you know, and then that way, you, yeah. as a coach, you're bringing the tools that you need for that. You know, it's like anything. You're like, okay, I'm going to go work on this project. Well, what do you need? Well, I need these tool these tools and you know by project what ones you typically need uh yeah there's always gonna be that one or like okay i should have brought that but right at the end of the day it just makes it so much easier by having a a better understanding where everybody stands before you start absolutely and i think a lot of times there are little course corrections in our business ethics or our business behavior excuse me it's not these huge fundamental shifts you know and so if anybody's ever watched Charles Barkley's swing, you know, his golf swing has got the biggest glitch. I mean, he literally stops his swing. I mean, if you haven't seen that, jump on YouTube and watch it because it's hilarious. But that's what most of us think coaching is, is there's these massive changes in our life. And it might be possible that's what you need. But the vast majority of people that I'm working with, Michael, are co- small course corrections that are needed to get them to go you know to maximize their effectiveness so if you're thinking of coaching a lot of times it's just really more these small things it could be large but the vast majority of time it's small so i think it kind of increases our fear because we're thinking oh my gosh i'm gonna have to do fundamental changes change my company name you know change my colors fire my team all this right and it's like wow that's really not at all what we're looking at it's these small little course corrections that really make the huge difference yeah the best way to if you could assign a sound to barkley's swing it would be <laughs> it would be the sound of a third grade band second week into band practice in like <laughs> september it's yeah. gonna the whole the horns are yeah. there's gonna be like Whoa, you know it's, it's gonna, no sheet music attached yeah, yeah. No, you're all singing you're, their own song yeah your, your drums start bleeding it, it's not pretty and you yeah. know by the end you know, well in his case not so much but uh, in the end, they, they do sound a little bit better by the time it gets sure. to about yep. May. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, but it, you know, it's like the you know, one thing you mentioned too. You know, course correction. Oh, I got to change my branding colors and all that stuff. It it reminded me of a, a food intolerance test that I had done a couple of years yeah, ago, and. Like 
yeah, I remember it. I was like, uh, you know, the, the challenge or the thing I found funny was I have a food intolerance to eggs and that's my logo is an egg. And I'm like, well, I'm not changing it. You know, I'm not changing the name of breakfast leadership, but I still love breakfast, but I just gotta, I just gotta keep, keep the eggs in check. Yeah. So I I just found that kind of funny. It's like, okay, well, I have an intolerance to my logo. That's, that's good. You know, (laughs) It's like, you know, all right, so it happens. So let's, let's go back a bit uh, about, yeah. you know, your, your first business and, and, and getting it to, you know, 10 million annual yeah. sales. You know, what were some lessons that you learned when you, you were growing that? Cause I think that's important for the entrepreneurs that are listening right now yeah, to figure sure. out, okay, what, and we've kind of, I'm sure we've already kind of touched on them a bit, but you know, what are some things that help you get from that first million to, you know, the, the 10 plus million. Cause yeah, I, I heard listening to a thing with the Brian Tracy this morning and, you know, he had mentioned, and I've heard him say this a lot where it's like, you know, that the first million is really hard. You know, the millions after that are much easier. And a lot of people think, how is that possible? It's like, because you learned how to be a millionaire. And, sure. it, and so I'd just love to hear your thoughts on being a, yeah. a multi-million dollar business owner uh, prior to yeah. selling. Absolutely. And that's why I wrote my book, Growing on Purpose, was because there's so many people that grow by mistake. They can't tell you how they got to where they got. And I think one of the lessons that I learned early on was I don't want to hire people like me. You know, again, and I go back to disc again. We used it back then. We're using it now, but you know, I'm a driver. I'm a, I'm an idea guy and I love, you know, post it notes and I love creating thoughts and ideas. Well, if there's 10 people, we had 22 people on our team. So let's just say I had 22 people on my team that were thinkers and that were not thinkers, but you know, creative minds and thinking about new ideas. We'd have post it notes every everywhere, but none of it would get implemented because we didn't have implementers. We didn't have drivers. We didn't have these other people's personalities in in our group. Um, That would have been a short-lived company. So I learned early on that we need to find people that are different than us. You know, I, I hear a lot of times entrepreneurs say, man, if I could just find five more people like me. And, you know, we want to think that that's the right way, Michael, but the reality is, is that that's that that really can lead you into a bad place if you have you know don't have um, a variety of different personalities and a variety of strengths on your team so that was one of my huge ones that i learned early on it's important it reminds me of my first office gig i worked for a cpa firm outside of detroit and the two partners of this firm both had the same first and middle names, but that's where the similarities ended. Um, they were one was very well, well. We'll buy this. We'll invest in this, and yep. and the other the other one was you know we had a running joke that he squeaked when he walked. You know, sure. love love you, Jim. If you happen to be yeah. listening or watching, but He's listening. Uh, hey, yeah. Jim. Yeah. So, but no, he he. I I love them both, and it was one of those things where. You know, sometimes you, you you gravitate to one person or another, and I, you know, I did both, and it was because they were. Of course, I was, you know, seventeen and eighteen when I first started there, so you know, I was just you know a sponge going, okay, what can I learn from these people? Because my original career was in public accounting, and I, I I still feel a sense of relief on April sixteenth, even though I haven't worked in that field in a long time. <laughs> I just for go. some reason, my shoulders are there's like there's no tension, and I'm like. 
what's going on? It's like, why do I feel so much yeah. better today? Oh, it's April 16th. Okay. Yeah. That's sure. that, that's hardwired in me now. But, but again, it's one of those things where you had, you know, I had two different mentors basically that approach right. things differently, but I, I was going into it as kind of a sponge. Like, okay, what, what can I learn? Of course, you know, 17, 18 years, you're still in that educational track. And that's, that's a pro tip for everybody. Never stop learning. Keep yep. growing, keep learning, learn new things, even if it's not necessarily in the purview of what you do and work. If it, you pick up a skill, hey, that's great. It's good for your brain. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think, um, you know, in addition to the team piece, the other thing that I learned is that you can't really have too good of a customer experience. You know, and that's where I think that back in the day, customers were, you know, a dime a dozen. You didn't treat them the way, you know, you didn't really have to worry about them, you know, and and it was just unique that today, you know, two thirds of the people that don't come back to buy from you, that's because they or they switch to another vendor, supplier, whatever. That's because you didn't treat them right. You know, the research shows that they feel you are not interested in them as a person. It's not that the competitor called and wooed them away or you charge too much. It's purely something that is on us. And that's what I think is so powerful about that is we control our future when it comes to our team and we control our future when it comes to the customer's experience. And that's how my number one Amazon bestselling book got so popular as we talked about those two things, you know, make, be purposeful in your growth with your team and with your customer, because at the end of the day, those are the two most important aspects of your company. And if you don't have good team and good customer, it's just a matter of time before you're gone. And we're seeing that too, I think with, especially with the pandemic and all the shifts of where people are working, hybrid, in-person, all of that, you know, it's still in this interesting flux with a backdrop of inflation, recessions, wars, and all the other things that life uh, a colleague of mine likes to say life gets lifey and that's, yep. you know, that's what we're in. But having said that, don't, don't let that get in your way of accomplishing what you want to accomplish. It's like, okay. Yeah. So the cost of eggs is crazy. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm, I'm allergic to them. I can save some money now. That's good. Uh, not, not my problem. No, we, I, we still have them. You know, I, I just don't, I don't crush as many of them as I used to. And I, and I know, you know what it does to me. It's not like I need an EpiPen or anything like that, but it's still, you, you understand it, but I, you know, the customer experience is, is something that's really important and it, it goes both ways, you know, and I'll give a real life example real quick. Earlier today, I, I was uh, doing uh, some reach outs to some more organizations for uh, some consulting things and all of that. And I would get you know, typically a, a receptionist, you know, before, sure. you know, and, and all of that. And, you know, I, I treated them like they were, which at that moment in time, they were the most important person in my life. You know, I'm talking right. with them and, you know, I'm asking if Donna is there and it's like, well, we're not, we're not sure if she's in. It's like, well, it's, you know, I sometimes I'll crack a joke and say, you let her leave without permission, you know, and of course they're laughing, you know, cause I'm engaging it because you and I have, have seen this, you know, in, in how some people engage with people in customer service. If you treat people really well, they're going to go above and beyond and treat you really well and move mountains to do right. things. It's yep. just what we should be doing. And as an organization should make sure that your people are, 
are doing that because it's going to leave a lasting impression and people aren't going to switch vendors or switch companies because of, you know, oh yeah, I can save, you know, $10,000 a year on this one. Okay. They may have to consider that depending on their budget, but for the most part, it's like, yeah, okay, I'm saving 10, but what am I going to lose? And and that's something, if you were doing stellar service and really serving your, your clients well, you know, you're going to have clients for a long time because they're going to take care of you as well. Yeah. I mean, the statistics show, Michael, 86% of customers will pay more for a better experience. And so, you know, I just say, hey, nine out of 10 of your customers will pay more with for a better experience. There's always going to be one that's purely price sensitive, and maybe it's even two out of 10, whatever. But the vast majority of your customers, the research shows, will pay more for a better experience. So if we're not focused on that, if we're not living that every day, if, again, a weak team can provide a strong experience, and typically a strong team will not supply a weak experience so it starts with a strong team and then just let them go and they're just going to crush it for you yeah i know we've heard the phrase the customer comes first which it's due but you you have to make sure you take care of your team first and make sure that they're really taken care of so they can take care of your customers when you do that so magic happens well, I think that it, we've been t- helping people understand different, looking at an external customer and an internal customer so that your team, if you look at people on your team as a customer, it all of a sudden just changes their focus. And, and all of a sudden we start thinking we wouldn't say that to our best customer. Why are we saying that to our best internal customer? And it just kind of really is a, is a why, is an eye opening experience for, for certain people to look at things that way words to live by so dave love this conversation where can people find out more about you and all this amazing work you're doing well i tell you what you go to positivepolarity.com that's where we are and uh everything positive's there if you're negative and you want to be positive we'll help you but if you're negative and you want to be negative then that's probably not the right spot for you that's uh go to breakfastleadership.com for those <laughs> we'll yeah. send you those guys mike <laughs> yeah uh, the, 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 uh, i i deal with curmudgeons well i just wrote a book baby boomer burnout i'm not saying boomers are curmudgeons i'm kidding sure. i'm kidding yep, exactly. like, i'm not i i love them i've worked with them pretty much all my life and you know uh i i like i like sarcasm and grumpiness it, it, you know, i grew up with it my dad was kind of grumpy you know and it, yep. it runs in the dna didn't mean he loved didn't love us he just kind of grumpy i get it you know i i can <laughs> i can uh, yeah give me give me your grumpy ones i'll, I'll work with them you know yeah i'll work with that works well so dave uh, i'll definitely have all that in the show notes so thanks again for your time today really appreciate Absolutely. you and always great talking with you you too my friend take care Thanks for listening to The Breakfast Leadership Show, part of the Breakfast Leadership Network. Visit breakfastleadership.com for tips on empowering your business and your life.